Hi, I'm the Strategist Cowboy. Today, we are going to review two German loggers, a normal ABV logger and a slightly higher ABV logger. They are in order Hofbrau Original from the brewery Münchner Beer in Munich and Eyinger Festmelzen from the brewery Eyinger in Eying, Deutschland. Our first contestant this week is the Hofbrau, Hofbrau Original. This beer is brewed according to the Bayerischen Reinetzky board. Is there really such a thing? There is a German Reinetzky board. To cook it down, the Bayerischen Reinetzky board from 1516 is since 1906 the German Reinetzky board. What do I think of the Bayerische Reinetzky board? The Reinetzky board law has been altered over time, or rather there have been several Reinetzky board standards that have been adjusted into one. At first they weren't allowed to make beers on wheat or rye, since those grains were reserved for making bread. Many German breweries are often attempting to get around the Reinetzkebot standard by manipulating with the yeast strings. Typically, the result isn't very appealing, since it makes the beer taste rather artificial. But it is often producing a semi-appealing banana-like taste. Personally, I wouldn't necessarily trust the Germans to not using spices or herbs in their beer products, since it technically isn't a part of the brewing process. Just as mani manipulating with the yeast strings isn't. I recall the German car manufacturer Volkswagen recently being fined many billions of dollars for installing hardware in their cars in order to cheat the United States carbon emission regulations. Volkswagen had intentionally programmed turbocharged direct injection diesel engines to activate their emissions controls only during laboratory emissions testing. Out on the road, their diesel cars emitted 40 times as much carbon dioxide. The Germans have thus proved to be cheaters. The brewery admits to that their beer, Hofbrau Original, is spicy without saying out in the loud that they actually have spiced their beer assortment up. It says on their website for Hofbrau Original, fine spicy bouquet, slightly malty, full-bodied, mature, and with a fine hoppy aroma, a superbly balanced lager. Fine spicy bouquet, thus. 
Where could that bouquet come from? The brewery's actual and full name, Staatliches Hofbrauhaus in München, is translated to Royal State Brewhouse in Munich. For me, as a Swede, this is uncomprehensive. A state-owned brewery. But yet, we Swedes have the state liquor store chain, Systembolaget, that has got exclusive right to sell alcohol surpassing a certain level ABV. Stadtliches Hofbrauhaus in München was founded in 1589 and is stemming from the time when Bavaria was a kingdom. The lager assortment contains water, malted barley, hops and yeast. The hops are all of the German sorts Hercules, Perle, Magnum and Select. It has got an IBU, IBU, i.e. bitterness of 24, which is pretty normal slightly to the low scale. This particular beer is good until and well into November 2022, according to the best before date on the bottom, which I purchased recently. The Hofbrau Original assortment comes in a standard 50 cent liter or about 17 liquid ounces bottle. bottle. The bottle's label is three-folded and the front label features a part of Munich. The beer costs about 22 Swedish kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 35 cents. That is 55 cents per four ounces of beer, which is really cheap for any lager beer. Partly because the beer comes in a size 50 cent liter container. But most Germans loggers, German lagers do. The preferred serving temperature is according to system below it. 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says 6 to 7 degrees Celsius, i.e. 43 to 45 degrees Fahrenheit on their website about preferred serving temperatures. Hofbrau Original has got a 5.1% ABV. How about the experience then? Let's measure the, the temperature with my laser IR uh, Bosch tool. It's uh, three degrees Celsius. It's uh, really cold. And that's about 37. 33 degrees Fahrenheit or something. It's not very exact, this tool. As I said before, it's not a professional tool, but uh, it should work well. It's a Bosch, but it, it doesn't really show exact temperature, even when you push it twice, the trigger on it. 
Well, it's got a good aroma. Let's turn on the light here. It's clear and yellow in color. It's got a, about one finger tall head or perhaps a, Yes, a one finger tall head. Uh, above the foam, it doesn't, uh, uh, you can't uh, smell the aroma so much. First impression. Well, I'd say that this beer, and it's amazing since it's a state brewery, state-owned brewery, but this is better than most German beers I've tried in the same category, 50 centiliter glass bottles, typical lager beers. I'm, I'm glad I can uh, grade it high actually, because uh, what I wrote, uh, uh, read uh, out loud a minute ago or two was kind of uh, <laughs> nasty, but it was true. But the first impression is that it's a good beer. They have not manipulated with the yeast strings, which I'm happy to say, to notice. It's, uh, it's not exactly rich, but it's not watery. It's certainly not watery. It's, an, it's a lager, lager beer. It's good. Is it bread-like? Let's see. Well, maybe perhaps a little bit white bread-like, but uh, I would take it a little bit too far if I said it was bread-like, actually. It's not yeasty. It's a lager, so. But malty it is. I like the more taste in it. The taste of my palate is... Well, it is balanced. Didn't they say it was? I read something here. What was that? Uh, slightly malty, yes. Full-bodied, well. It's a lager. Mature, okay. Fine with that. With a fine hoppy aroma, I wouldn't say so. It's, a, it's not very hoppy. Is it? Let me try. It's not uh, very bitter anyway. It's balanced. So it's fairly correct what they say on their website but a little bit uh, superlatives. They use little, a little bit of superlatives there. Superlatives, is it even an English word? I don't know, but superlatives, 
in Sweden means uh, sugar uh, uh, a grading or, or not a grading but description of uh, something uh, spice it up so to speak with words okay let's go on uh, taste of my palate it's it's well balanced I don't think it's sweet but it's not dry either neither but uh, well maybe it's dry drier than sweet anyway uh, bitterness or hoppiness it's 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 not it's not bad I, I can say I can say that it's a it's a good taste on it and especially for a lager because I mean lagers are not ales so uh, there is a difference between a an ale and a lager it's not canned like It's not uh, exactly fruity, but maybe a little bit orange peeling taste. But uh, I don't think they have orange peeling. Yeah, it's, it, it tastes like orange peels. But it, at least it doesn't take like pine needle, because that's awful in beers, I think. It's an aberration, not uh, a taste. But it hasn't got that, and that's good. Excuse me. Sorry, I had to burp. So it's uh, it's kind of a pretty high carbonation level, I guess. Yeah, I'm burping again. Spices, let's see. It is a little bit spicy, it is, but uh, I'm not sure it's spice. It may be, actually, but I don't know. It's difficult to tell in beers. And there, uh, I don't think there are any herbs in it. The undertone is. Uh, a good lager beer and the carbonation level was pretty high it's not creamy it's not acidic and there are no aberrations and i'm glad it's got no aberrations well there's not much more to tell about this beer i think it's a simple beer, like all German beers, uh, brewed according to the Reineskibot uh, principle or laws. But as I said, at least it's they haven't uh, 
tamper with their yeast strings. It's, uh, I think it's better to be down to earth and honest. If they are, I don't know, but uh, sometimes I, uh, I doubt the Germans when it comes to moral stuff. Anyway, it's a good beer. So what about what about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? 10 out of 10 for a lager. Let's say a lager first. For a lager, this beer is worth um, eight devils out of 10 possible, I'd say. Yeah, eight devils out of 10 possible. Yeah, that's good, but um, perhaps even more if, uh, but if you want to grade this beer as a beer, which is what I should do. I grade this beer seven devils out of 10 possible. And that's good for a lager beer, very good. Congratulations, Hofbrau München. You've made a good beer. Good beer. Okay. Uh, let's go on to our next beer. Our second contestant for today is the Eyinger Festmärzen from the brewery Eyinger in the town of Eying, close to Munich in Germany. The word Festmärzen, without separation between Fest and Märzen, according to Google, translates into marry, as in wed. But interestingly, the words Fest and Märzen, written as two words, translates into march hard. Apparently, the stripes never wash off. The ingredients in the Eyinger Festmärzen are water, malted barley, hops, and yeast, according to the bottle. Standard ingredients, that is. But I can find no information about this beer assortment on the brewery's website. The same goes for Sustainbologis website. It's probably because it is a seasonal festival beer assortment, and it is no longer festival time. But when I purchased this particular beer about six months ago, it probably was festival times, since it was in October. This particular beer is good until and well into May 2022, according to the best before date on the bottle. It has been standing in my cooler for the whole duration since I purchased it, so it should taste its best. The Eyinger Festmärzen assortment comes in a chubby, nice-looking bottle. The bottle is size 50 centiliters, or about 17 liquid ounces. The bottle's label is three-folded, and the front label is yellow and green, with a circle-slash-banner stating the brewery's name 
on the beer assortments and the beer assortments name on the bottle. I can conclude that this beer assortment costs about 25 Swedish kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 70 cents. That is 65 cents per 4 ounces of beer. That is normal for a German 17 ounces beer. The preferred serving temperature, according to the brewery, I have no clue. But most likely 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit, according to Systembolaget. Eyinger Festmärzen has got a 5.8% ABV. How about the experience then? Got a little bit, a little bit of a pilsner aroma. It's got a one finger tall head, a little bit more. It's growing. Anyway. It's kind of cloudy in its uh, color. I can barely see my fingers through the glass. And it's uh, orange, brownish yellow, yellow brownish in color. It's pretty rich for a lager. I, I would say this beer, by looking at it while poured, I would say it looks like a, a an ale. But it's not. And it's a little bit, uh, let, let me look through the, the Writings I have just read up. Uh, up. Uh, there's not much about it, but uh, I can say that uh, the first impression I get is that it's impersonating an ale that's the first impression and uh, there's no head on it left any anymore now it's just a, a small uh, small ring but the first impression is that it's a good beer It's a cold beer, just like the former beer, because it was in my cooler. Uh, I can measure the temperature. 35 degrees Fahrenheit. 
but uh, two degrees Celsius, so it's cold. But that is that is a crappy Bosch machine. If I want a good machine, I would have to pay up the double price, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't think I would need it. But anyway, it's what I got. But it can it can uh, differ at least one degrees uh, according to the manufacturer of the Bosch machinery or uh, IR and the laser laser IR sensor. Uh, it's a one percent one degree difference in. Uh, I mean, approximately one degree at difference in from real temperature. Anyway, we're talking about beers now, not um, uh, any sensor here. The first impression is that it's a good beer and it's rich. Is it bread-like? Uh, I wouldn't say so. It's a little bit, uh, it's a, it's under yeasted, bottom fermented. I guess, but I don't know because I, I haven't seen, seen anything about it, but on the internet, but it's probably bottom fermented, but it's impersonating an ale very well. It's uh, more malty than hoppy. Taste on my palate is uh, well. It's like it's a little bit dark in uh, in the taste. A little bit, but in between uh, a lager and a dark beer. It's, uh, is it sweet? Yes, I'd say that it's uh, a little bit sweet. It's not very bitter or hoppy. Well, perhaps hoppy, but not bitter. If you can be hoppy without being bitter. I'm not sure about that. I'm not an expert expert. I'm just a layman. But uh, the experts, uh, the experts are, are are crazy stupid. They mix in any taste they can imagine into a beers, and I don't do that. But this beer may, if it is syrup in it, it is syrup in it. But they shouldn't use syrup if they're going to be honest about their German or Bayerish Rheinesgebot. But um, I'm not so sure Germans 
don't cheat. But it's not in the in the yeast uh, the the brewing process anyway. So they, they could have done it. Maybe a little bit syrup. But I'm not gonna say for certain that there is. But that's what it uh, comes forth as. And it's it's a, a pretty strong uh, lager, so it could be that they have used syrup to um, uh, get it stronger, to be stronger, or something, sugar, or whatever. Uh, taste on my palate is um, syrupy. It is. It's sweet, as I said. Uh, uh, it's not candy-like. There are no fruitiness in it, and no spices, and no herbs. The undertone is uh, fudgy. A little bit fudgy. And the carbonation level, I don't know. We'll see in a minute. It's um, not exactly, it's not creamy. It's not acidic. And there are no aberrations apart from the syrupy taste. I don't know what it can be if it's not syrup, but uh, because uh, they're supposed to make beers from malt, hops, water, and yeast. Isn't that it? About it? And malt, syrup, hops, and yeast. Malt, malted, uh, water, malt, hops, and yeast. Yeah. That's about it, but uh, I don't know. It tastes like syrup. I usually get uh, this feeling in my chest, in my solar plexus, when I drink uh, syrup beer. And it's uh, not exactly striking, but uh, it could be. Or I'm just imagining it. Who knows? Excuse me. So it's a pretty normal or high level ABV, uh, carbonation level. Uh, what about grading then? Well, if I compare this beer to, for example, for example, a Danish beer, 
a typical Danish Pilsner beer, to be honest. I would say that if there is syrup in it, it's just a hint of it. Because the Danish beer, the, the Danish beers, the Pilsner beers, I get punched in the solar plexus when I drink them. This isn't like that. But it's still something. There's still something in it that I don't think it belongs in a Rennesgebot beer. But it's... Um, Well, it, it may be contested by the brewery, but that's what I think. I don't think they have man manipulated with the yeast strings. It doesn't taste like that. But uh, I would grade this beer. Seven devils out of 10 possible. It's still a good beer, so okay. It's a good beer. Let's leave it at that. Not as good as the former beer, but it's a good lager beer. Okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. <laughs> This week's lesson is called The Baltic States. In 1989, Estonia had a population of 1,565,000, of which about 30% were ethnic Russians. In 2007, Estonia had a population of a mere 1,342,000, of which about 26% were ethnic Russians. This means that about 130,000 ethnic Russians emigrated out of a population of about 474,000 Russians in 1989, and that about 93,000 Estonians emigrated out of a population of about 1,091,000 between 1989 and 2007. So the population decline was happening mostly at the guests' expense, the Russians, even though they did not have any reason to be there from the beginning. However, most of them were forcefully relocated from Russia to the Baltic states during the Soviet era, and they have no fault of their own or their descendants for living there. There is no one living that can be held accountable for the country's demographics and that the ethnic Russian population lives where they live now. Of course, the ethnic Russian population can be held accountable for their behavior. The Estonians are forced to make the best of the situation. Until a number of years ago, it all went well. But in 2007, there was an uprising 
during the bronze soldier crisis, when Estonian authorities wanted to move a bronze statue of a Russian World War II soldier from the center of Tallinn to a peripheral cemetery in the capital. The statue is a symbol of Russian supremacy that has stood since the Soviet era. The Estonians had every right to move the statue, and Russia acted beyond their rights when they more than likely targeted the country in an IT attack. Estonia is so IT integrated that the country is sometimes called Estonia. Russia simultaneously started a large-scale repair work project on the railway at the Russian side of Narva. Look up Narva in your atlas. It's a geographically and historically important city. This effectively stopped all rail transports, which very negatively affected Estonia's economy, as Estonia is a transit country for goods. Estonia requested help from NATO, and NATO sent professional military IT technicians to help Estonia defend itself against and recover from these IT attacks. It is this kind of Russian behavior that makes me oppose that Swedes associate with the Russians by entering into business contracts with Russia. And so it is understood that if you do business with the Russian companies, you are doing business with the Russian mafia. And in the long run, you are jumping into bed with the FSB, i.e. the KGB's hair. At least if you don't do as IKEA and banish taking and giving of bribes at both high and low levels in Russia and everywhere else. But look at how it's going for IKEA in Russia. Should honest Swedish companies in Russia be forced to kneel before the Tsar while Russian companies in Sweden should thrive? and be allowed to criminalize society. As long as these Swedish companies are not special steel manufacturers or high-tech companies, of course, because then it is certainly advantageous for Putin that Swedish companies established themselves in Russia. Can they blame us for avoiding such a situation when they run such a cannonball diplomacy as they do, put in their own words? By wanting, intending to, planning and budgeting for, and being able to defend Gotland, the island of Gotland, we help the Baltic states best. Sweden has helped to thwart Russia's Baltic energy blockade by placing a power cable between Nibro in Småland to Lithuania as part of the European Union's energy policy. At the same time, we could not back up the work with any credible defense, and Russian interferences were common. The Russian prosecutor general was to investigate whether it was legal by the Soviet Union to recognize the Baltic states. 
This was reported in Dagens Nyheter on June 30, 2015. The Russian Prosecutor General has previously stated that it was against the law that Crimea, Crimea was handed over to Ukraine in 1954. It, not surprisingly, he also claimed that this, this does not have any legal consequences. Yevgeny Fyodorov and Anton Romanov from Putin's party, United Russia, have demanded an investigation. The parliament members argued that the decision harmed Russia's sovereignty and led to the dismembering of the Soviet Union. The two believed that the recognition of the Baltic states was treason and harmed Russia's sovereignty with the explanation that it were non-constitutional coups that led to the emergence of the Baltic states. Since when can a state claim that its own laws have priority before the laws of another state and that at the expense of the other state. Now I understand why the official Russian protest against Finland regarding the Finnish courts being biased for Finnish parents to divorce children among Finnish-Russian couples happened. This way, the Kremlin has in good time acquired an alibi, alibi for its own court decisions which means that Russia can make laws in other countries and maybe even annex them, as they will claim that Finland does against Russia. According to information from a Swedish resident in the Baltics, a destabilization campaign, which he believes has been initiated by Russia between Norway and Lithuania, was in progress from July 2015. The campaign was about a discussion about forcibly disposed children with Lithuanian parents in Norway. The campaign had been going on for more than one and a half months and was even at ambassador level. This very much probates the alibi theory, alibi theory I describe above. Russia plans to legitimize its security policy for its own people and for the world. At the same time, it reveals Russia's expansion plans in Northern Europe and Scandinavia in all its nakedness, either on the political level or on the military level or both. The Baltic states also try, also try to profit politically. They declared in early November 2015 that they were going to seek financial compensation from Russia for the socio-economic damage they were suffering during the Soviet occupation in 1940 to 1991. Russia categorically rejected this thought. There are so many good questions that turns up when, when you read this, that I don't know where to start unravel. 
contemplate the information and ask your own questions. Part of being an intelligence person is about being able to hold information to yourself, not to become a, become a big shot, but because you cannot find listeners to your all-wise conclusions. At least that is what you think if you are an intelligence person like me. Remember, you are in training. That means that you are not required to scrutinize sources. Concentrate on causality and cohesion. See you later, alligator, at a wild crocodile. Oh, thank you.